with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast, and speaking of music, that song that played me in is titled Boon. It is by the band Phenome, and it is from the album The Eleventh Hour, Songs for Climate Justice. And my guest today is one half of Phenome, Seema Cunningham. And that album I mentioned is a, a album I produced and curated with Sub Pop Records and Adam McKay and 100% of the proceeds from that album go to the Climate Emergency Fund. And if you don't know what the Climate Emergency Fund is, they're a great organization that funds climate activists around the world fighting for climate justice. It's a really great cause and uh, something I believe strongly in because I have two kids and I worry about their future. Seema Cunningham uh, is a great musician in addition to Phenome. She plays with Jeff Tweedy and Wilco and a bunch of other uh, musicians. She's insanely accomplished and gifted. And if you by chance don't know Phenome, uh, they're, I can't even speak. That's how good they are. I, I, I'm at a lack of words for the brilliance of their music. And uh, Macy Stewart, the other half of this, of Phenome, was a guest a couple years ago when the band called themselves Ohm. Uh, if you go to the part two of this episode, you will, which is uh, Patreon exclusive, you can hear the whole evolution of the name of the band and much, much more. Uh, and you can become a Patreon subscriber at themattdwyer.com where you can learn all things Matt Dwyer. Uh, there's links to the album, the Sub Pop album, my social media, you name it, it's there. But uh, being a Patreon supporter is really great. And you get a lot of bonus. There's bonus episodes, there's part twos, all kinds of stuff, music blogs, so go check that out. Also in the show notes, all things Phenome and Seema Cunningham, links, everything you need. Support their music. They're really, really incredible artists. I can't say enough about Phenome and Seema and Macy. I'm sort of, and I talked about this, I think, in my episode with uh, uh, with uh, Moontype, uh, is that I, I'm kind of... I'm enamored with how brilliant they are. Like it's, I'm awestruck is maybe the better word. Um, also, if you need a website, you can go to kellyrdewire.com. How about that transition? Seamless. But uh, she does my website. She does all kinds of websites. So go to the, the kellyrdewire, kellyrdewire.com. All, again, all things you need to know are always in the show notes. And sometimes I put a little extra links in there if say we talk about something. But this is a really great episode. I'm completely honored, and as you probably know, if you're a regular listener, I I I am uh, quite fond of the Chicago music scene, which we talk about because it is very unique and special. Thank you very much for listening, and please enjoy my conversation with Seema Cunningham of Phenome. second trimester I was on tour wow. and they'd be they'd be doing like flips in my stomach because they still had all the the room to do that so they were attempting stage dives is what I think <laughs> yeah I, mean. I think they were crowd surfing <laughs> like, come on mom go for it but that's that's wild do you yeah. I would assume do you uh, that there's music playing at your home at all times of i mean our recording studio me and my partner run a recording studio um in our basement uh 
so there's often stuff going on down there and but no not necessarily I kind of I enjoy a lot of silence and space actually <laughs> so I just we- so it's it's up and down you know what I mean like last night I went to a show nine and a half months pregnant and uh and I've been going out actually to a lot of shows um like I go for like 45 minutes I don't go for like two hours I'm like I'll see one set hang out and I'm going home going to bed (laughs) yeah plus I don't know all the venues I'm in Los Angeles none of the venues have fucking chairs anymore and I'm too yeah. old for that shit. <laughs> yeah, totally. Definitely. Well, and I guess that's sort of a reason because it's kind of a good excuse for me to like be standing and like, you know, like I these days I'm, I'm like finishing up a lot of projects and a lot of them are computer related. So there's a lot of sitting and I actually like don't want to sit that much. Um, uh, So I kind of like go get my standing in for the day at a show and then come home and <laughs> collapse. So. Did you, were, were, like, were you hesitant to go on tour while pregnant or were you just like, fuck it? I'm gonna do no, it. I was really excited to. No. I mean, I've loved being pregnant and I love being on stage pregnant. And um, I was on tour a little bit my first trimester and a little bit more had like two weeks of like, kind of not so fun nausea and exhaustion that was a little bit harder to deal with but touring in my second trimester was awesome I loved it um yeah I mean it's hard not to feel like the most powerful person on the planet when you're like ripping a guitar solo five, <laughs> five and a half months pregnant on stage so it's pretty- I loved it. yeah I loved it i Honestly, it is pretty badass. I can't help but wonder, like, how that affects, in uh, I mean this in a positive way, the development of the person in there. Because we play yeah. music all the time, and they're supposedly that's good, but it's yeah. not Mama playing the music, which is kind of a different concept. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll You're- see. I'm supposed to play one last show. Um, like, I, I'm just doing three songs at a fundraiser, but it's like six days before my due date and I can tell you it makes me feel very emotional thinking about it like I don't know what the effect on them is but I know what the effect on me is which is like it's just hard not to feel like it's like an overwhelming thing that like I mean I feel really very very lucky that I'm able to perform on stage I played a bunch of shows right at the new year with my brother's band too and I was like, this is really cool. I've, I've written down a list at this point of all the shows that the baby has played, has been in me for. So you, you might have to give some credit like on, in the album notes or something. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, I didn't even know I was pregnant, but I sang with David Byrne, uh, when I was like three weeks pregnant. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that you sing so, with David Byrne. That alone is like just insane. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to sing with David Byrne when the, the baby was like three weeks pregnant. I didn't even know it was there yet. And then the baby got blessed. The be- the belly and the baby got blessed by Lucinda Williams at around four months. So that's pretty cool. Those are my, my two favorite things that the baby unknowingly participated in so far i think i think your baby's gonna save the world <laughs> <laughs> or at least write some really cool songs one day and then save the world with music yeah that's pretty fucking crazy what were you doing with david byrne because if, if i wasn't a huge david byrne fan i would have no reason to be have a music podcast but <laughs> Yeah. How did you end up working with? I mean, you work with everybody as it is, but I didn't know you worked with Byrne. I, I don't like work with him. He just happened to be. Um, I 
I play in a band with Jeff Tweedy and um, we were closing out the festival solid sound festival in um, at mass mocha in Western Massachusetts. And David Byrne came up to sing like one of the big finale songs with us. And, um, and, and, um, you know, it was like a lot of people coming on stage, but David was obviously kind of like the highlight of the moment. And, it just happened to be that me and my brother, my brother also plays in this band with Jeff Tweedy and me, me, me and my brother, I, to make room for all the people coming on stage and singing, I was like, Oh, I'll go share a mic with my brother. And then David Byrne was right next to us. So we were just kind of, and me and my brother usually sing a verse on that song. So we were just kind of singing with David standing next to him on stage. And, uh, we did a little rehearsal with him. It was really cool. He's a very kind guy. And, and a cool grandpa and I don't know. He's, he was awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Was it David Bird? <laughs> yeah. I was like, cause I've been in similar moments where you're with somebody who's iconic and you influenced you and then, but to be like speaking to them or doing something with them on stage, you're just, it's no matter who you've worked with. Sometimes it's like, there's still a fucking disconnect where you're like, how the fuck am I here? <laughs> did you have that moment or did you? Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty surreal, surreal moment. Um, also just cause like David Burns voice is like, so, so uniquely him. Like I remember in the rehearsal room, it being like, Oh wow, there's David Burns singing California <laughs> stars. But then up on stage, you know, he's got the, I like to rest my heavy head. Like there's just a quality to his voice and kind of like the wonder that he looks around on stage with. Like, I feel like David Burns eyes are a really specific part of his performance. Cause he kind of always has this look of wonder on his face when he's, when he's performing. And, um, and so to watch that up close, I was just like, wow, this is very, very cool. Yeah. When, when and, I, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, I just, no. when I lived in New York, I saw him come riding out of a park, like on a big vintage bike. And it was the same sort of, and I mean, it's just like, it's the, plus it's like a, it's a fifties bike. <laughs> so it was just like this whole package yeah. of David Byrne going down the street. Yeah. I come from a musical family. My dad, um, our dad is a musician, Peter. And he played in bands for a long time, played since he was a kid. And he had a really great band called Animal Farm that uh, Hamid Drake actually was the drummer, if you're familiar with Hamid, who's an incredible um, uh, percussionist and improvised drummer, musician. Uh, And yeah, so our dad played in bands and then kind of put that down as like his full-time thing right around when I was born. Um, but was a big, um, yeah, music was a huge part of our life. I actually just found, um, I, you know, baby coming, you go through all your papers and I threw out a bunch of shit and I was going through some of my papers and I found a contract for piano practicing that my dad had written up between me and him, of like how, how much piano practice I would commit to. And, 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 and in a, you know, in a true, in the quality of practice, he was like jamming while strongly encouraged is not practice. Wow. (laughs) So yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would cut corners a lot in, um, (laughs) in piano practice. I also like part of my, part of my like, music thing was that like when I was learning music, I, um, I have a really good ear and a really good music memory. Like if I hear a melody or hear a chord structure, I kind of will get it instantly, but I would use that a lot to manipulate my piano teachers into like, instead of really sight reading, I would just ask them to like play me the piece and then I would kind of fake sight read, but actually go by my memory. And so that was, and my parents of course caught on right away and they 
gave my teachers the heads up. They were like, <laughs> she's going to act like she just wants to hear the piece, but actually you're just giving her the cheat codes so that she doesn't have to like try and side read that hard. So, um, yeah. So my dad's a musician. Um, our mom is a painter, a visual artist, but also big lover of music. So we, we both grew up playing music our whole lives. And, and my brother's been a touring musician since he was a teenager. So it's a big, big part of our, our family. And yeah. That's wild. I, so th- when you went into music and that decided to pursue it, it wasn't one of those, we don't do that. Like your parents. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I, I think I stated I wanted to be a rock star when I was like five or six years old. And, wow. And I don't know if I'm quite a rock star yet, but you know, I'm a rock and roll musician at least of, of some, some kind. Um, uh, no, it was, it was a wonderfully supported thing, which I feel really lucky for. I mean, you know, uh, I think always it was a lot about like, you have to figure out how to, you got to put the work in to make, if you want to be an artist, then you got to do a lot of work to make that a reality and make it feasible and sustainable. So, you know, and we've always, me and my brother both have always done a lot of other work. Like we we both like labor. We like to work on different things. We like to make things happen, but, but, um, we were always really supported and encouraged to, to do music, which I feel really lucky for. That's, uh, yeah. I, cause I was like a blue collar family and I want, I'm from Chicago and I wanted to, I started huh. taking classes at second city in high school oh, wow. and it was, like it was a moment to have to sit to my mom and be like, guess what I want to do? It's not be a day laborer or, or lay asphalt like everyone else in this family. Yeah. So you kind of had to like, uh, initiate that dream and, and explain it to the, to yeah. the family a little bit. And as you, I, I don't know what your early twenties were like, but you know, I was washing dishes and living in a fucking literally mm-hmm. a pantry my bedroom was a pantry <laughs> yeah on southport and i my mom was like i think maybe you should start thinking about something else i'm like i'm 20 like this is exactly what i'm supposed to be doing <laughs> yeah totally yeah um well me yeah i don't know i mean uh definitely me and liam my brother have always held other like work uh we've always done other like work gigs we both like work on music festivals sometimes when that like that's kind of some i don't know we do a bunch of different stuff and um i mean i like it i like i and i think it's important also to know how to to do a variety of different kinds of work um you know, music and art is its own kind of creativity, but I think also it gives you a sort of freedom if you know how to, how to, I think, at at least for me, it's been important to know that I'm capable of like working and making a living outside of music so that I have the ability sometimes to not make my art my business. I mean, my art is my business. My band is my business. It's a small business that I run, um, with, you know, with my bandmate, but also having the, having had, you know, 10, 15, no, 15 years of experience working other jobs as well makes me know that like I have, I can, you know, I don't have to necessarily only, work on I don't know it just gives me a little bit more like freedom and and at times like the purity that you need to just make the art and not worry about how the art is going to support you (laughs) (laughs) I can relate did you did you have your dad as a guiding force with business and getting into it and like because it's a you know, I don't understand yeah. the music business, but my business, it's fucking complicated and people are crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. I mean, 
I wouldn't necessarily say, yeah, he helped me navigate or at least like he's, he's a really smart guy and a strategic thinker. So he certainly helped me like think about how to like, you know, plan things. And my mom also, my mom is a working artist and has been for decades. So I grew up seeing what a working artist life looks like where it's, you know, sometimes like you sell a painting or you get a song and a video and then you get a bunch of, or in a, in a TV show. And so I know how that kind of flow of like windfall and then the dry spells where you're just being creative work. Um, but yeah, my dad was a guiding force and then, um, I don't know. It's also been like a lot of like winging it and figuring it out. And of course now, now we get, you know, now we have some more people and like a team around us who are helping figure all that out. But you know, a lot of it is just trying to figure out like what makes sense. How do we do this in a way that feels good and sustainable, but also be really thrifty about it. You know, we've always, we, uh, with my band Phenome, um, we have always uh, very, re- especially recently, we've really tried to strike a balance between like being really, really um, streamlined with like our expenses and stuff, and you know, crashing them at people, at friends' places along the road, but then also making sure that we're spending money like when we need to, like getting a hotel room once in a while. Uh, just taking care of ourselves, you know, it's, it's a balance, but uh, it really helps to be a small band. I will say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Power trios, a pretty easy, you know, a much easier thing to tour than uh, a quintet. I don't have a cool name for the quintet, but yeah. Uh, how, anyway. how did you and Macy become involved in musically? Was it just because I, I don't want to sound corny, but I, the chemistry between you two is, I mean, you look at photos or you watch videos of you guys play and it's like this very obvious, like it's different than, and there's obviously yeah. a great love between you two. And it's like, you yeah. can just sense it, which you don't, I feel like you don't see as much, like like that much where it's like you look at it and you go, oh, these people love each other and they love playing music together. Totally, totally, yeah. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of lot of love there and deep love and all different kinds of love. So I, I mean, you know, Macy's like my my collaborator, my partner, my business partner, my sister, my best friend my I mean we always I used to joke with my partner that I probably sleep have slept in a bed with Macy more over the (laughs) last six years than I have with him um uh yeah you know she's I feel really lucky and you know like all deep and really important relationships they're not always you know they're not always perfect like you 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 have to work the deepest at, at, at working out kinks and stuff with the people that you're closest with, you know, like, like a sibling relationship or like a, you know, like a partnership, your primary partnership or something, you know, but, um, but I think especially recently, cause there've been these big, there've been these big gaps, whether it was like, okay, the pandemic hit and we didn't tour for, you know, I don't know, almost a year or something. Um, or, or we've just been like taking longer breaks between shows while the world, I don't know, figures out what it's doing again, or we figure out what we're doing, or we, you know, we've made space for other projects to have a little bit of airtime. Um, and I kind of love the gaps because then when me and Macy come back on stage, I like, it's like a, this rush of like, wow, I love being in this band. I love being in this band with Macy. 
I love that we've made these songs together and like, it's just kind of like it, it's been a nice, it really helps to not get jaded on the project because like, um, you know, having a little moment and then getting on stage and singing and feeling like that zing of the connection, um, uh, between our voices, between our guitars and yeah, I just love it. And I'm still addicted to it. Uh, <laughs> which is why I, you know, I feel like a lot of, I feel like a lot of, uh, hope and towards the future for our project. Like we're excited to keep making stuff and getting back on the road and touring and, and pushing the project, you know, like, I think we both feel totally not like we're ready to like let the project kind of rest on its heels and do what it is. And we pull it out. Like, we're like, no, well, let's like, let's make records. Let's make albums. Let's transform it. Let's evolve it. Let's, let's do, let's make sure that we've done all of our dreams with the project. Let's take it to Japan. We like <laughs> really, really want to go play shows in Japan. I, so. me too. Just so I can eat. I just want to eat in Japan. You said something, and I, uh, and I'm, I, my brain is mushy, so I can't, I won't be able to, so I'll have to paraphrase. But like, because the business, there's creativity, and we get into this because we want to be creative, and we love that. And then there's the business, mm-hmm. and the business is what can jade you and piss you off and ruin the creativity. Uh-huh. <laughs> long-winded way of asking but how do you have a way to keep the business separate from the the joy of create creating or are, are you lucky in the to be able to not have shitty business world i mean sure i mean there's certain things right like we have we have a team of people around us that are supposed to interface with the business so that we don't have to at all times, but also like you can't like not interface with the music business because sometimes, you know, like that's how you build relationships and you get things done. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think that it is kind of like two, two modes. Like I, we definitely try and compartmentalize. Like there's a ton of like, even just like admin when it comes to being in a band, like, frankly, I think everyone, if everyone doesn't know this or doesn't have, you know, you're very lucky if you don't have to deal with the administrative side of being an artist or being in a band and you've really sorted, sorted something out that's magical. But also, you know, I know artists that are like way, way, you know, way more successful than us who like, maybe stayed out of their administrative side for too long and then realized that like things were not running how they wanted. So, you know, everyone has to kind of lean into that at some point, but I think it's best to like, what has worked for us is to like basically set business hours. Like we have hours when we're like, all right, our band is a small business and we have to take care of some shit. So let's get together and talk about all the not fun stuff and then be done with it so that we can just be creative, um, you know, and work on the, you know, the, the whole reason why we really do this, but you can't, you know, you can't let it, let that not be, you know, you can't leave that alone for too long because, like all things, if you want to keep it sustainable and you want it to be a thing that really is what you're focusing most of your time and life on, then you need to make sure that you're, I don't know, keeping your shit straight and, and, and paying attention. So, um, so yeah, you know, I think we just kind of keep, kind of keep business hours, try and lean on the people that we work with and have hired to help us manage the not, so fun stuff. Um, <laughs> not, not, not so fun stuff, but you know, all the, I mean, of course the biggest, I mean, I think the biggest suck, one of the biggest time sucks that anyone feels these days is like the social media thing. Like this constant, you know, real, it's not, it's not even like a, like a, 
it's kind of not even really an option these days. Like you have to be, you have to engage to some extent. Obviously there's some bands that are like, have a little bit more legacy and like a little bit more, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure that the social media presence for like the indie rock gods of the mid aughts really (laughs) necessarily (laughs) matters that much. Like they, you know, they got in at a good time and they, they establish their followings differently. But these days, you know, if you're like a young indie man like us, like there's just no, there's no real option outside of it. Like, but you know, sometimes I think about that and I'm like, okay, well, when I first started playing in bands, every time I played a show in Chicago, I was like running around, you know, stapling posters to bulletin boards and like everywhere I could. And like, now it's like, I, you know, I definitely get pissy sometimes when I have to like post like five ultra promotional posts just to get people to come out to a show. But, you know, if I zoom out a little bit, like I'm like, all right, it's pretty, it's a pretty manageable thing to market your small business. (laughs) Yeah. But when, you you know, still, it's like, it's still, it's, it's, it's an unhealthy thing. I mean, I don't think social media, the internet, it's a beautiful thing. And it's also like, unquestionably like the worst thing that's happened to to any of us in the last 30 years. So yeah. When you put a a flyer on a telephone pole, you don't hang out to see what the comments are going to be. You could just move on. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that is very true. Um, so did you, did you, cause I know you and Macy improvise a Uh lot. Did you, are you also a part of the improvisational sort of scene in Chicago, like Vandermark and those folk? Yeah. Um, Macy is much more as a performer. Um, she's like really become a, a celebrated improvised performer in Chicago, which I'm really excited and happy about. And not only in Chicago, I mean, internationally, she's performing. She's been over to Europe a bunch of times in the last five years, uh, performing with different improvisers so she's really she's really you know taken that whole world of music um and she's you know she's miraculous at it um i am also an improviser and i i love to improvise and i like to jump in there sometimes but i'm more connected to it because i helped run a club in chicago that was founded by mike reed um called constellation so And I, and I worked in, I worked, um, I've been working with Mike on various improvised music projects for over 10 years. So that's like, that's like one of my, you know, side hustles. And, uh, and like, basically I like moved back to Chicago and instantly got deep, deep into that scene more as like a, as a presenter and like, and, uh, you know, helping run a club. But I, because of that, I've known, I've been deeply immersed in that scene, listening to that scene. I have collaborated with a lot of those musicians over the years and am friends with them. But I would say, um, so I like to improvise and I like to, to do that sometimes. But, um, when it comes to like really being an improvised musician, I would say that like Macy does that much more on a, on a professional level and I kind of like to I'm very much around the scene but I'm I'm still very much a singer songwriter (laughs) that's well like in like my solo music is is very is very um much more singer songwriter kind of world yeah I that's I what I do love I mean having grown up in Chicago and I love how intermingled the scene is, the music scene. Yeah. Like in my day, and I like to say that because it makes me sound old, but like uh-huh. the Jesus Lizard and Albini were hanging out with Vandermark and Vandermark was influenced by the Jesus Lizard. And it's just kind of like, totally. it's just, yeah. to me, I'm just, that's exciting. Yeah. I have. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really exciting. Oh. And I mean, it's like we have eras of that that kind of um, 
intermingling. Obviously, there was like the '90s era when, yeah, like post punk and and all the freako jazz guys were <laughs> hanging out at the bottle together. Um, and and then you know we have the era that is really of me and Macy, where it was even like further. Like now, I really feel there's like a strong obviously there's an amazing hip hop scene and, and like R and B pop scene in Chicago. There's an amazing indie rock scene and there's actually a really great, like kind of country music scene here as well. And all of those people play together, play, you know, um, and, you know, obviously there's still the, the experimental scene that built off the shoulders of the AACM and, and, um, yeah, all of those improvisers that really built up built up the city as a unique cultural spot in the nineties. So I I still feel like it's the most most special cross pollinating music city in in the country, if not the world, you know. It's um and and you know what's great about it is that it's not like I mean, people ask us in every interview, everyone really does ask what's, you know, talk about how special the music scene in Chicago is, which is fine because it is special. And so I feel like I toot the horn of Chicago a lot because I get interviewed about it a lot. But I feel like also what is great about Chicago is not only is it, is it doing that? Is it a fact that Chicago is incredibly diverse in the kinds of music and in the excellence in terms of like the level of musicianship and the kinds of music that's coming out is really, really, really high, but it's also, it kind of just is what it is. It's not like it's something that was concocted by a music industry person that really wanted to try and mix things up. Like it's completely organic. It's not at all a planned thing. It just, that's just Chicago. Like Chicago is the biggest small town and everyone knows each other. And we, we have so many good music venues and bars to hang out at that everyone who plays music and likes to hang, hangs out at the same places and sees, sees each other's faces every other, you know, every week. So it's, there's no, there's no, um, what do you call that? There's no artifice to why it is that way. Yeah. I mean, I was literally hours ago saying to a friend of mine that I feel so lucky that I was able to start in Chicago because it was, though I did like theater and comedy stuff, but it was the same. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, you had to have a work ethic. Otherwise you got blown past. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah. I mean, I've said this before and like, I don't know if some people will, you know, give me shit for it, but it's like, it's like, uh, LA, it's how you look, New York, it's, uh, what you say. And in Chicago, it's, it's, um, it's what you do. As a person who lives in Los Angeles, I can agree <laughs> with this. <laughs> and there's so many, like, I, I just, I see things get rewarded and I'm like, but that's not the work. That's how I feel. Like, I'm like, that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, it's business, blah, blah, blah. And everyone gives a fuck about money here more than they do quality. Thus, yeah. why I'm leaving. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like all, you know, a lot of us, we rely on whatever the hell is going on in Los Angeles to get a nice paycheck once in a while. Like sure. I, there's no question about it. The indie rock scene is like partially propped up by two things, college gigs and Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but what's so. great about Chicago is, I don't know, like people, we didn't wait around for to get booked. We we're just like, fuck it. We'll find a spot and we'll do it. Totally. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like DC gets so much of the DIY cred for starting it. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Chicago seemed uh-huh. that way, especially theater-wise. I mean, Steppenwolf was in a fucking basement originally. Yeah. 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 Chicago theater seems awesome. I just went to Steppenwolf. They they have this, like, the small stage Steppenwolf Presents. Um, 
and I've seen one other play this year. And every time I go see theater, I'm like, God, theater fucking rules. I love theater. And I, and Chicago has an amazing, again, an amazing scene for it. Um, so sorry. I kind of no, I lost the track of what you were saying, but yeah. I'm easy to lose track of. <laughs> have you thought about, I, or maybe you have, I don't know, but have you thought about doing something theatrical? with your music or working with theater company? Yeah. I mean, well, I was a theater kid and so was Macy when we were little. I mean, I acted a lot when I was little and I like had a headshot. I had big dreams about (laughs) acting and then I just got really into playing in bands. So I kind of, you know, fell off of it. Did you um, know Macy as a kid? Did you know? Cause you said, so did Macy, were you, no, we didn't know each other when we were little, even though we grew up like a mile away from each other. Uh, we went to the same high school, but I'm, I'm like a couple years older than her. So she's my brother's age. So they were the same year at high school. And then it actually happened. I, I did. The reason why we're connected with Macy is that I saw Macy in our high school musical and I heard her sing. And I told my brother, I was like, Macy, this, I don't know, she's got a great voice. You should put her in your band. And so we asked her to join his band. And then they were in this like total phenom band um, uh, phenomenon that like took Chicago by storm and they like toured and played Coachella. And then uh, that band ended and they started another band. And then around 2014, me and Macy were like, do you want to try a weird project where we like sing in harmony and then make really fucked up ambient experimental noise on the guitar? And that's how Ohm Phenome was born. So That's wild. Um, but where did that question start? I forget. Uh, if the acting, if you knew each other when you were, Oh, oh yeah. Well, you know, we just did this big show last year, last December called Full Bush, which was our tribute to Kate Bush. And that was in collaboration with this really amazing theater variety performer, actor, Alex Grelly, who has this really amazing project called Grelly Duval in Chicago that is like the most amazing thing and should be a huge national hit. And I hope will be soon. Um, but, um, Grelly does a lot of like kind of mixed media performance art. And sometimes those take the tribute, take the form of like long form tribute. So right now he's doing a show called floor show, which is a tribute to David Bowie. But last December we did full Bush, um, which was Kate Bush. And we had like eight or nine sold out shows in Chicago. It was amazing. It was a whirlwind and one of like the most musically challenging things. I think me and Macy have both ever done just because Kate Bush's voice, the vocals on those songs are like incredible, but (laughs) really hard. We like had to be on strict vocal rest between performances. Um, so anyway, so that was a really fun mixing theater. And we like danced me and Macy learned some choreography and we had costumes and we love it. We love, and we, I think we're both excited about the idea of bringing more theater and performance into, you know, into our lives. Um, we've been collaborating with a lot of dance companies over the last year. We did a ballet um, with the Pacific Northwest Ballet in March. So we were out there for two weeks doing that. But I think we just want to go deeper and deeper because I think we both believe that, like, we love just playing music and being in a band, but also believe in the power of production, you know, power of really creating a space spectacle an event yeah so. uh, tim rutilli's band caliphone i was flaking on caliphone for a second but he yeah their last album was with the dance company and they they were i think they were going to tour it but that covid fucked yeah it. but i watched the, we actually we collaborated with the same choreographer robin Minico williams oh that's right that's right she's incredible like i follow yeah, she's her amazing and that 
they did a live performance of it during COVID, but they had a theater and they, and I streamed it and it was fucking, it was insane. Yeah. Did you watch that show at Talia Hall that they did? No, I think he did. No. They did a, had a theater in, I want to say Wisconsin that they did it at. And they streamed it like as a live concert thing. It was so fucking good. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. And she's, I've, I follow her on Twitter because, of, or Instagram because her dancing is so incredible. Like, and I, Robin she, is, Robin is amazing. And so she choreographed the ballet that we were commissioned to write the music for. So we got to work with her on that ballet, which was really, really fun. Yeah. It seems like that's because I know second city did a thing with the Joffrey. I want to say maybe I'm insane. They did something with somebody, but I cool. think it's cool that there's like these, that, those worlds are starting to intermingle. Maybe they have before, but at six. Yeah. Goes back to the point Chicago's the best. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. I wanted to ask, and maybe this is a corny or a simple question. I don't know. And if it is, forgive me. But That's okay. Uh, thank you. Because <laughs> uh, when I had Macy on the podcast a couple years ago and we talked about improvisation and improvising with strangers and I, how that works. But I was curious to when, and I'm sure you've improvised with strangers, but what it's like to improvise with somebody like Macy, who you know so music on such a different level, if there's a different sort of way you improvise with her, say, than you would somebody that you don't know as well. Hmm. I mean... Yeah, improvising with Macy or improvising with my brother or my partner, all of whom I've been playing with music with for a long time. I mean, it's really, it's really a beautiful thing to like get to play with that feeling of instincts. Like, do we know each other's instincts? Are we going to follow each other or are we going to do we know where the other one's going? And so we're going to walk in the opposite direction, you know? Um, you know, like, uh, like when you're improvising with strangers, there is like, there's a huge element of listening, which of course still exists when you're improvising with people that, you know, but when you're improvising with people, you know, you're also, you know, you're using your knowledge of them. You're trying to interpret where you think they might be going and it kind of creates this whole level of like ESP that's there that doesn't necessarily exist when you're just trying to encounter, you know, really going off the sound of, or the facial expressions of whoever you're improvising with. So, um, you know, I think both are really fun and interesting experiences, but I love I love playing music with people that I've known for a long time because you can, yeah, you can just, uh, I don't know. You can kind of skip a couple levels sometimes and just like go straight into like, let's make, let's, let's get higher. I don't know. It's because it's, it, there's, couple things in that because i studied improvisation and i worked at second city and i did all that shit around town Uh for a long time and there's definitely a certain set of i don't want to say rules but guides to it that but what you said Uh where you're like see where they're going and walk in the other direction isn't something i would you wouldn't do in theatrical improvisation is right right so i'm that's because so if you do that how does it how does that land with the other person or people? <laughs> sure. Sometimes like that can be like a dick move. right? <laughs> like, I know. I know. I know what chord you're going to play next. And so I'm going to like play a note that like sounds awful with it. But I think that's what makes it a little bit more like dancing is that like you're trying I don't know, actually, like, I feel like with improvised theater, you are sort of trying to, like, thread a narrative together, right? And you're trying to entertain. There, There is, like, a real direct, like, we are trying to entertain and probably 
ideally make some people laugh based on like what whatever chaos comes out of this strange interaction right and i think um i think that like with music there's with improvised music and when you're improvising there's like it's like a little bit more of an open-ended journey of like what are we trying to do here like are we are we I don't think that you have to always be quite as audience focused. Like it is kind of like people are witnessing how two sound makers like dance around each other and how they react to each other and how they disappoint each other and how they surprise each other in both nice and frustrating and like strange ways. Um, I mean, with music so often, I don't know if this really applies to like theater and you tell me, but it's like with music so often, uh, a f- you know, an ugly mistake can really turn into the coolest thing that happened in the whole, in the whole thing, you know? Um, and so, but you don't want to just be like chasing around mistakes the whole time. Right. You want to find, you know, you want to show that you also have a deep appreciation for the incredible glory of harmony and, and the beautiful simplicity of melody. Um, but then every once in a while, you, you know, we just want to like kind of sonically fight with each other and see what comes of that. And that I think also is a really valid part of improvising. I, I am so fascinated by music improvising So I could, I literally could listen to you talk about it for, for fucking ever. (laughs) And it dawned on me while you were saying that, because you did theater. Did you study theatrical improvisation at all or fuck around with it? Yeah, a little bit. I zip zap dot zap. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Carelessly. 